And we uh, just pray for our children as they go to Children's Church and ask that God will really use that in their lives this week uh, as they uh, look at God's Word with their leaders. What uh, Brian was talking about, uh, beginning next week in um, historical setting is Advent. The season of Advent starts the four Sundays before Christmas, and so November 30th is the first Sunday of Advent. We'll be finished up in our series on knowing God and particularly the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. But we'll be giving you readings throughout the Advent season, 30 days of uh, readings. And so if you'd uh, like to get it in terms of paper form, we'll be having it in the bulletin next week. But if you'd like to use your smartphone or any other uh, apparatus like that, you can just go to apps uh, for Advent, Advent devotions, and you should be able to pull it up, the one that we're going to be using this, uh, this Christmas season. Well, this is a great opportunity to think about life as we've just talked, saw, saw these little eyes up in front of us, and we want to give the Borgs a shout out because uh, rumor has it the Lord has uh, brought life into a womb, and so we're just praying for a, a great uh, coming to term for our new life in that family. So let's give them a shout out as well. Uh, before they do that, let's look to the Lord uh, one more time in prayer as uh, we'll be seeing some things out of God's Word this day. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that we might uh, just settle our hearts and minds upon, upon you, that we might uh, just learn more about you and about what life is all about, and that we might discover what it means to, to know you and to know you deeply. And we ask this in Christ's name, amen. Uh, this is a series within a series. Our series right now is on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but it's in the part of a larger series on knowing God. And you think about knowing God on the other side of the coin is that what God knows, and if you have any concept of a of supreme being whom you call God, uh, then you would think that, that God is all-knowing. The technical term for that is omniscient. When God tries to th- determine a particular issue or fact or some information that's out there in the universe, he doesn't have to Google it. He doesn't have to check Wikipedia. He already knows it. But sometimes when we think about knowledge, knowledge, is, knowledge can be just information. And sometimes people who know a lot of things or a lot of facts or a lot of uh, detail about various aspects of life or things you're involved in, they aren't necessarily using those facts for any grand purpose or even to enhance other people's lives or, for that matter, even their own lives. And so I want to submit to you a very simple idea that God is not only all-knowing, but God knows what is best. And that really is the motivation why we would dedicate a young life um, to God, not to make that little child religious. We're not looking for uh, some type of faithfulness to a set of rules that people call themselves kind of churchy people. We are convinced that we want to dedicate those lives to a God who knows everything and knows what's best because that's what is best for that little child. And as we think about that, that's true not only for every child that comes into this world, but it's also true for every adult child as well, or any child you might consider a youth child, because God always calls us children because we're still in that process of maturing and going on that journey of life. And so we want to really submit to you that God's way is best, and he knows what is best. And if that be the case, then it it behooves us to decide that it might be a good idea to do God's will. Now, if you're in our readings in this ministry or focus on uh, the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit uh, in that book called Forgotten God, 
This next week, you'll be reading chapter 6. And interesting enough, what he writes as the title of his book is Forget About His Will for Your Life. And you're thinking, forget about his will for your life? What in the world would you be writing that for, for people who are trying to, to know God in a deeper, fuller way? Well, really, it's kind of, a, kind of a spin on what he really wants to emphasize in us as we seek not only to know about God, but to know him in such a way that we can live out that life he's planned for our lives. Some of us look at God's will in such a mysterious way that we're always looking for something in the future for what God wants to do in us. Some big grand plan that somehow we haven't figured out yet. And it's almost playing that child, child's game um, where you hide something. You ever played this game? And, and you send everybody out and there's only one person who knows or, what, or maybe there's only one person out and they come back and they're trying to find it and they're saying, you're cold. You get, you're, you're too cold. And they get closer to the object and you say you're, you're getting a little bit warmer and, and then you get a little bit closer and you're warmer and then when they're right on top of it you are hot because they're right there at the place where they can discover what you've hidden. And some people look at God's will that way. Is that somehow God has, has hid his will and if you're super spiritual, if you have some kind of a unique prayer life a little bit better than somebody else else's, you, you'll be able to distinguish God's blueprint for your life and you'll be able to follow that path exactly. But I don't know about you, but I've tried that. I've prayed diligently, and I want to know everything in the future that God wants me to do. And and I've discovered that God is not, I mean, he's concerned about my future, and particularly following his will. But you know what he's more concerned about the future in relationship to my life and his will? The present. And that's really the emphasis this week in in the the readings of uh, The Forgotten God, is that God wants you to determine that you are to live for him in the now. Don't be so worried about the future. What does God, as one author said, what does God want you to do right at this moment? And, and so I thought with that kind of a theme, I would twist it on the other side. And I said, what is God's will for you now? If, if kind of somewhat saying in the negative, forget God's will for you. But put in the, in the positive, do God's will now. And if you've already looked at the outline, say, I might not get all the way through it. But let me, let me try to emphasize this again, because I want, I want you to get the picture of what I'm trying to share with you this morning. One is determining what God's will is. The other part of it is having the ability to do it. And we'll struggle either way. Either we, we are still confused, what is it God wants from me? And on the other part, well, how can I do that? Uh, Francis Chan uses this illustration. I want to read how he writes in this book. He says, imagine I buy a treadmill to lose some weight. Uh, three months later, I take back to the store and complain to the clerk that it, that it did not work. I didn't lose a pound. Well, he asked me, well, what was the problem? Did it not work properly? I responded, I don't know if it works. I never ran on it. I just know I didn't lose any weight, so I am done with it. And if we were to be honest, there are a lot of people that have investigated the claims of Christ and they've left the church, they've left their understanding of the Christian life because they thought they tried it and it didn't work. But the reality is they they didn't really try it. 
And you could, you could apply this in so many facets of life. Has anyone ever recommended you a book and maybe even bought the book for you and, and, and left it with you for a period of time, a reasonable period of time to read it, and, and you, they come back to, and they ask you, well, how'd you like the book? Oh, I didn't get much out of it. Well, you didn't like it? Man, that's my favorite book. I, I, did you get to the third chapter? He said, no, I didn't read any of it. And so often that, that's true with this book as well. I don't get much out of the Bible. How much time do you spend in it? I, I don't get anything out of praying to God. Well, how much time do you spend talking with God? And even more important, you can take the, take the, the treadmill illustration and say, well, you know, I, I got on that treadmill every single day, and it just, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't do it for me. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it, work up a sweat very easily. It seems like I was, I, I, it just wouldn't work. And, and the person said, well, did you ever plug it in? And really the emphasis as we've been going through knowing God, and particularly the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is we need to understand the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals God's will as he illuminates God's word, and then he empowers us to live out what he's told us to do and to do now. So this morning what I want to do is I want to give you a message given to you by the letter S. And I'm just going to give you a series of comments that is going to just kind of enlighten what is it God wants to do in our lives now and, and after i began writing this i began realizing i was using the s letter all the time so i have to add you another less s so it all begins the beginning and the beginning is you need to really know who god is we, we don't want to talk just generally about god people talk about god all the time but once you start talking about god in specifics that's where the battle comes here and uh, one of our small groups this week um one of the, the members of the group said, you know, I've been talking with my friends and, and I've been sharing that and I've been trying to explain to what we've been learning on Sunday and, and they don't quite get the Trinity. And I go, great, because <laughs> we don't quite get the Trinity. But if, you, if you're really going to explain your faith to people, it all begins with focusing on who? Jesus. And what is even more important, if you want to use the letter S, Jesus is the Savior. And really, when you, when you really try to grapple with what it means to know God and know God's will, you need to know that God needed to come as the Savior for us because we were drowning. And if, if you can get Jesus right, you'll get God right. If you can get Jesus right, the Trinity makes sense. But if you can't wrap your mind around Jesus, then you're going to miss everything. And it doesn't really matter what we say about the Spirit because the Spirit reveals who Jesus is. And so that's what he's trying to impress on our mind. And in Colossians chapter 2, I have the passage written there. We've looked at this passage. Don't, don't be confused by everything, what everybody else says, and philosophy and empty deceit. And then it says in verse 9, For in him, which is Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When they were in the presence of Jesus... When Jesus was here, they were in the presence of God Almighty. That's what the Bible teaches. That was, he was God in the flesh, fully God and fully man. So right at the beginning, as far as determining what is God's will for you now, is to understand who Jesus is. He is the Savior, fully God, sent to this world to rescue us who are drowning in our own selfishness. That's where it begins. 
But once we come to understand that, and I was reading a story by, a story, a testimony by, by a French atheist who became a theologian. In fact, he was, he was making fun of himself. How, how does a Frenchman who was an atheist become a theologian? And, and, he, and he tells this story. He tells this story. He says, you know, I was so far from God. I had a little bit of church background. I went to a Catholic church, and, and as soon as I could tell my, my parents that I didn't believe in that stuff, I, that, that it was a superstition, that it didn't make any sense to me, and I didn't believe there was an almighty God, that I ran from it as far as possible. And, and as I went on this journey, God grant, I mean, I, not only did I not believe in God, I didn't think I needed God. Everything was working for me. And he tells a story. He went to a prestigious university in France, and he achieved uh, well academically. Uh, he also was a musician on the side. He was very athletic. He was six foot four, could jump over three feet, and so uh, high. He got uh, he got nominated to a national team in volleyball, and just traveled the world playing volleyball. I mean, he had it all. But but then then he met a true Christian, and it just wrecked him. And it made absolutely no sense to him. So he said, I, I need to sell this once for all. I've got to ask myself, is, are there reasons to believe that God exists and Jesus really is who he claimed to be? Or is there better reasons to believe that, that God does not exist and Jesus isn't who he claimed to be? And he went on this journey and he settled life's greatest question for him. And he turned his life radically over to Christ left a financial uh, venture that was bringing him all kinds of income and is now serving Christ. He settled God's most important issue for him, who is Jesus. He is the Savior. But let's, uh, let's, let's run through some things this morning. What is God's will for you now? And we, I'm saying you, you could say God's will for us, we could say God's will for me. What is God's will for you? Number one, God's will is for you, just like this French young man, is to be saved. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you, if you wonder, what does God want for you right now? He wants all of you to have a relationship with Him. That's His heart's desire. Now, we in our rebellion will reject that, but we can know without a shadow of doubt that's God's plan for you, to know him. In fact, he said it in the same way in 2 Peter chapter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, and that's in reference to his, his statements that he's going to be coming again. And, and it goes on, why hasn't Jesus come again from his first coming? But as long-suffering, patient toward us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So what's God's will for you? Just like it is for everybody. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to be saved. Secondly, and this relates to our, our series that we've been going through the last five weeks, now in the sixth week. God wants you spirit-filled. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we're looking at exactly what the Bible says about the will. Of, of God himself. And do not get drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the uh, Spirit. 
Now, again, that sounds mystical, and we were uh, kind of beginning the series with Brandon and Devin with a little uh, scene up here and musically, and, you know, this is a really Holy Ghost revival, you know? What's, what, what does it mean for the Spirit of God to indwell us and to fill us and, and to lead us? It, it simply means that, that the Spirit that God has sent here when Jesus left, who when we come into a relationship where we get saved, we come into a, a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, that God indwells us. But when he indwells us, it's, it's our choice to allow that indwelling spirit to lead us, to control us as we depend upon him. And, and we gave many images of that. It's, it's understanding that, that as we drive through life, we drive under the influence of the spirit of God, not our, our selfish desires. That we decide to fill our cup and allow him to overflow and leak on to others. That, that we desire to be practicing the presence of Christ in our lives. That we allow the Spirit of God to use the Scripture in our lives to, to govern how we think and how we live. And so as you, as you think about what it means to, to understand God's will for your life, it begins with being saved, and secondly, it means being Spirit-filled, allowing Him to lead and control your life. Thirdly, and here's where God begins to get really specific with us. God wants us to be sexually pure. God wants us to be sexually pure. Or if you want to use another S word, God wants us to be sanctified. I didn't put that word in because you know, what does the word sanctification mean for most of us? God wants us to be set apart. He wants us to be different. He doesn't want us to live like everybody else lives. He, he wants us to live according to how he, he made us. And this whole debate about marriage, uh, same-sex marriage, or whether it only be a marriage between a man and a woman, uh, you know, we can all have our opinions but, but if God has revealed to us what's best, and again, it all begins with saying God knows everything, but not only does he know everything, he knows what it's best, that, that he understands how our bodies are supposed to work. But let me tell you, it, it's, it's not just what happens in the heterosexual w- w- world, uh, I mean the homosexual world, but it's also the heterosexual world. That God has made us for one partner. Now, when we mess up that, God forgives and restores, but we need to be people committed to one partner. He he says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 and 4, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, which simply means to be set apart or to be made holy, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And what is this? It is the will of God. Now, you know, I, I'm not putting this individual I'm going to mean in a, sec- in, a, in a second up for our opportunity to be, you know, prosecutor, judge, and jury for. But what's now happening in the life of Bill Cosby? Right? A, a man that, that was respected in so many different ways. Now, he's probably my favorite comedian. And he has done much to try to elevate the value of a family in our culture over the last two or three decades. But if, if any of this is true, and my guess is going to come out one way or the other where it's, it's almost beyond you know, debate. A, a man's life that had been used in, in, in just even a society in such a positive way could be ruined 
by singularly not fulfilling this part of God's will. Now, even for Bill Cosby, there can be forgiveness and there can be reconciliation and restoration. And I'm hoping, praying that none of this happened. But when we mess with breaking God's commandments, our lives are radically changed. Even the hint of it. He's already lost two or three different, you know, video, TV, movie type things that was going to go on and all kinds of different places, where venues. All because, at least probably, he, didn't, he messed with God's plan. That somehow he was above that. Let's not be people who play with fire and get burnt. God forgives. God can restore. But he can change everything. What is God's will for you? Be saved, be spirit-filled, and that's how you obey God's commandments. To be sexually pure. To be holy. And, and then with this part of the season, I had to throw this one in. God wants you to be saying thanks. But look what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is what? The will of God. See, again, we make the will of God so mystical that, that somehow he's going to, you know, again, put us in that, that game where you're getting, you're getting warmer, you're getting, oh, no, you're getting colder, and we're looking for this blueprint. We're always looking for what's happening in the future. God, you, you can be in God's will right now by being a grateful person, by, by being filled with, with thanksgiving, by, by looking at everything that comes to your life and say, well, how can I acknowledge God's handiwork in this? Counting your blessings, enumerating them, naming them one by one. You can be as spiritual as the most spiritual person you can imagine if you are a thankful person. Rejoice always, giving thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Why aren't we more thankful? Why am I not more thankful? You know, you take the word thank and you change one letter. And put an I there, you have the word think. So often we, we don't think because we don't think. We don't think about what we have. We don't think about what God has done. We don't think about all the provisions we, we've been given. And, and we don't thank enough because we don't think enough about what God has done. Fifthly, God wants you to be obedient to Scripture. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. As simply as you could put it, you are in God's will when you are obeying everything you know that, that God has already told you is his will. And we know his will is what he has written down for us. So this book will lead us to be doing exactly what God wants us to do. So whenever you're obeying Scripture, you are, you are complete. You are prepared to do anything God wants you to do. That's what it means, prepared for every good work. That simply means doing what God wants you to do. And when we are in God's Word, obeying it, 
And we're right in the middle, center of God's will. Sixthly, God wants you serving. Now, these are all practical, isn't it? How do I know if I'm walking with God? Well, are you, are you a servant? Look at what Jesus gave in terms of example right before he went to the cross. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done uh, to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, and this is right after he washed the disciples' feet, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent me. If you know these things, blessed are you if you what? Do them. See, being involved in God's will is also not only that which is right, but it's also that which will give you blessing from God. And, and so when we serve, which simply is saying before someone does something for me, I'm looking for, to do something for somebody else. I'm, taking, I'm willing to take on a responsibility. I'm willing to, to, to extend myself for others. Then you are right in the middle of God's will. Other passages that speak about that. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. God gives us gifts. There are certain things that we have the ability to do uniquely and says use those in a, in a committed, faithful way to, to serve God. And then, again, there's an attitude to that. Have, have you ever been around some people who, who are doing a lot and yet, man, they, 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 they want you to know it? <laughs> And, and they want to somehow maybe put a guilt trip on you because they're doing it and you're not doing it or whatever it might be. We need to recognize, or, or sometimes you feel life's not fair because you're giving your all and other people are not. Look at Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the rewarded inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever we serve somebody else, it's like serving him. There have been times I think we've all been just so angry, you know, when you know, we don't mind being a servant, but we don't want people to treat us like a servant. And we need to recognize it's Jesus whom we serve. And see, part of this is when we do that, we, then we're set an example just like Jesus did for us. And Mark 10.45 says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. But I was reading a story that happened in Atlanta. There was a, there was a medical, um, I think I even wrote it down, a, a medical American Heart Association annual meeting. And uh, as they were there, there were 300,000 doctors, nurses, and researchers that, that met there in Atlanta to discuss, among other things, the importance of low fat, a low-fat diet uh, and how it plays in keeping our hearts healthy. But they did an interesting study while they were having this, this convention in Atlanta that, that during the mealtimes, they, they, they consume a, a great amount of fat-filled fast food, and they discovered they did it at the same rate as other people who came to that same convention hall. So they talked about it, and yet they ate the same way. Well, one of the, uh, the, the, the correspondents there went up to one of the doctors and said that, uh, don't you think you're kind of setting a bad example by, you know, talking about eating more healthy and yet eating this way? He said, no, I don't think that at all because I took off my, my name tag. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's what we think, that we just take our name tag off. You know, no one knows I'm a Christian here, so I can do whatever I want. And, and, we, and we need to understand again, it, it's, not that, it's not that complicated as far as being in God's will. It begins with being saved. It begins with having a relationship with God where you depend upon Him. That's what it means to be spirit-filled. 
it follows on when we understand that God wants us to have an attitude that, that is so different than this world. Have you noticed we're in a kind of a negative world? I mean, what sells most things that are on Yahoo News or on newspapers or magazines? It's, that's what's negative, right? God, God wants us to be people who are thankful and grateful. He wants to understand that we, we use this book not just to press flowers in it. We, we look to this book to say, well, how does God guide me? We're obedient to Scripture. He wants us to understand that, that we are to be active in living this out. It's not mysterious. We are to be servants. There's some other S principles in terms of just knowing God's will for you. God wants you to be good stewards. You know, what is a steward? A steward is a person who has been given um, resources and some responsibilities and you're either a good steward or a bad steward, depending upon what you do with your resources and responsibilities and opportunities. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes this, Let a man consider us servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And Paul was talking about him. He pointed the finger at himself before he preached at those who he was writing to in the church of Corinth said, I, I, I've, got, I've got a responsibility. God has given me the gift of, of teaching and preaching and evangelism and planting churches and, and, and dispense God's plan for people to understand it. And above all else, God has one requirement, that I be faithful with the abilities and resources I have. Of course, you want that to trickle down. Whatever God has given you, he wants you to be faithful with the responsibilities and gifts that he's given you. In 1 Peter 4.10, uh, Peter writes, As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So as we've been given abilities to be used, they are to be used. They aren't to be like that treadmill that is purchased and never used and wondering why it didn't have any impact. Well, if we don't use our gifts, they won't have impact on other people's lives. And then the same thing, if we don't plug it in the Spirit of God, we'll be doing all our own we will be only doing our own strength. We'll always, always fall short. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, Paul writes, But this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And part of stewards is not only our resources and abilities, but it's also our money. Are we investing in God's plan? Are we just keeping it all for ourselves when it's really not ours? It's only God's. This week we had uh, someone in the school wrap their, their car around the basketball pole. And if you look at the basketball pole, it's tilted. Right? Now, I, I, I didn't get to have an opportunity to talk with them, and so I don't know where their faith relationship is but you know when when we have our has anybody ever gotten a car accident i have <laughs> is uh you know when when our cars get messed up we take that rather personal don't we <sighs> you know it's just so frustrating but if everything that we have is dedicated to god whose car got messed up God's car. When we lose something, you know, it's, it's, it can be a lesson learned. It could be all kinds of things. But it's, it's not just what we have that got lost. It's, if everything's his, it's, it's what God has 
to get lost. And, and when we don't use our abilities and our finances in ways that honor him, it's his that gets wasted. What is God's will for us? He, he wants us saved. He wants us spirit-filled. He wants us saying thanks constantly. He, he wants us obeying scripture. He, he wants us to be serving. He wants us to be good stewards. He wants us to be sacrificial. Paul, uh, well, we don't really know the author of Hebrews other than the Spirit of God. It says, therefore, let him, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for such, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Can, can I get under the skin of all of us here this morning? If everything that we do for God is easy, then something's wrong here. That we need to understand that if, if what we do for God costs us nothing, and I'm not talking about financially here. I, I'm talking about the prior of our schedule, uh, giving up some things we like to do because some things are more important than what we like to do because other people's needs are beyond our own needs. If sometimes we don't, we don't, we don't go home tired, I don't mean from from just doing everything that everybody else has to do, but tired because we've given ourselves for the service of God. If, if everything is just too easy, then are we in God's will? Sometimes doing good, I, just the simplest of things. You know, we, we, Brandon was sharing about a couple of ministries, you know, the transportation ministry. Maybe it's just simply, okay, I'm going to use my car to pick up somebody who, who can't come because they can't drive anymore. There's going to be a sacrifice in there. Not compared to what Jesus did on the cross, but it means that, well, maybe uh, I'll have to get up a little bit early to get pick up somebody, and it's going to be a little bit inconvenient about what I have to do after church because I can't go there that quickly because I have to take them home or whatever it might be. Now, I'm not saying everybody ought to be involved in the transportation ministry, but I think everyone ought to consider it. Can I bring anybody with me when I come to church? See what I'm saying? Are we just so comfortable that it costs us nothing in our service for God? And, and I can say this. And I, and I would say this testimony could be just repeated over and over by people here. Whenever you sacrifice for God, do you ever afterwards say, I wish I hadn't done it? Never. You never say that. Because God is well pleased when we go beyond our comfort zone. Again, this is simply God's will. It's, it's not so mysterious. Where should I go for lunch after church today? I mean, you, you can go wherever you want. But he wants you saved when you go to lunch. He wants you spirit-filled when you go to lunch. He wants you to be thankful when you're there. He wants you to be thinking anything in Scripture that you know about, are you trying to follow it? He wants you to be concerned about not only the person who's serving you. Have you ever been complaining about a bad waitress or a bad waiter? Gosh, I have. He wants you more concerned about not how people waited on you, but how you're waiting on others. He wants you to be a person who, who takes what you have and use it for him. He wants you to be a good steward. He wants you to be willingly sacrificial. And two others real quickly. He wants you to be submissive. 
Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch over your souls as those who, who must give account. Let them do so with joy and, let, and not with grief, for, what would, for that would be unprofitable for you. Uh, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, Ephesians 5.21. What, what does it mean to submit? Sometimes we, we only hear that in relationship to the, the, the wife submitting to the husband. The, the, Bible, the Bible talks about submission everywhere. All of us are in roles where we have to submit to the authority of people above us. And, and, and that should just mirror our relationship with God because we submit to him. So when, when, you're, not, when you're in a position where you're not calling the shots, and you respond in a gracious way, you're right in the will of God. And if you are calling the shots, just remember, people, you know, you're in that role sometimes as well. And, and so don't call the shots in a way that is not honoring to God. And finally, God wants us seeking the lost. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Judea, Samaria, and to the most parts of the earth. But the Son of Man has, not, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Yet God's will, enabled by the power of the Spirit in our lives, is pretty clear. Like I said, I, I wasn't really planning to make S's everything, but you, you, could, you could continue using S's throughout Scripture. Now, not only does God want us to be saved, to be spirit-filled, to be saying thanks, to be obeying Scripture, to be serving, to be good stewards, to be sacrificial, to be submissive, be, uh, to be seeking the lost. These are going to be on the test. You better memorize all ten of them. You know, God, God also wants us to be selfless. You discover that? God wants us to, to be people who are filled with strength, His strength. God, God wants us to be people who have stamina, that we, we don't... We don't even when we weary, we don't cease doing good. And, and so as you think about doing God's will by the power of the Spirit, realize that, that it's not something mystical out there. It's, it's clear. And God wants us to, to live it out for Him. But as, as clear as it is, it's not going to be easy. We did a whole summer series. It's awesome, but it's not easy. I, I close with a story. Uh, particularly on a, on a Sunday in which we dedicated children. A, a father was sitting at his desk in his study. And after scolding his four-year-old daughter for misbehavior, he had a gentle knock on his door. And he said, come in. Bethany, this is the name of the little girl, Entered and then matter-of-factly said, Daddy, sometimes I am good and sometimes I am bad. And that is just the way it is. <laughs> and then she went out saying, I've now solved life's greatest question. Why do we do bad things? You know, she actually was a pretty good theologian there. Because we, as we entered in this world, as beautiful as those children are now and will be. They have little hearts that will become bigger that are far from God. And they need to come to know Jesus. And we, no matter where we are in life's physical journey, we all still need to come to know Jesus. And then after we know him, 
but fully depend upon him. I simply want to close this morning by just asking you the question, do you really know Jesus? Have you opened up your heart and acknowledged that, yeah, sometimes you're good, sometimes you're bad, which means you have fallen short. And only God can rescue you from your sin. Let's pray. Father, there might be some here this morning that have heard it all, but haven't made that step to really have Jesus come into their life. And Father, I just want, I just want to urge them to do what anyone needs to do to come into a, a relationship with a living God. And that is, number one, to admit, to admit their need and to turn, repent from their sin. Say, God, I want to keep living the way I, I have been living. I want to live your way, not my way. And then secondly, to believe. Believe, put their trust in that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them so that they could have life and their sins forgiven. And really believe that that, that is true and Jesus did it for them. And then thirdly, commit. Commit to, to totally surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, not only does Christ come into our world, but we now go into his world. And we desire to live for him and not for ourselves. Father, I would pray that all of us would make that commitment to you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.